Hello, everyone. Welcome to our very first episode of Media Made Me. Uh, we have here Natasha Stamos, a writer and superstar of a teacher, and yours truly, Amelia, a young writer ready to go into the world. And we thought we'd come together and share just basically a conversation with you on how the media affects us as people, how it affects the industry, and shall we get started? Um, so as Amelia said, this podcast is really all about the media that has shaped us and just the media industry in general. And so to start with, for our first episode, we thought that we'd basically just go through some general media stuff so we can all get to know each other a little bit better. Smelly has come up with some really good questions about movies and TV shows about that we were kind of raised on um, and the screen and media industry now. Now, before we get started, quite a few of your questions talk about um, like when we were younger and growing up. Like what kind of age are you picturing then? I would probably say when you start kind of taking things more seriously. So like 11 upwards. Okay. So when you start idolizing the people on TV, when you start kind of learning who these people are in pop culture, how these yeah. people affect you, like maybe your like first teen crush, that sort of stuff. Um, okay. People who like, yeah, influence you in the media and how like actors and actresses start to become real people to you rather than characters. Okay. All right. Interesting. So the first question you have here is the movie shows that we were raised on and how that's made an influence on you growing up. So what came to mind for you with that? Oh, I first off sort of thought about Sailor Moon as a personal favourite of mine. Because um, it was the only... It was about these bad bitches who literally were like sailors of planets who were to protect the Earth and beyond. And there were such intriguing storylines every time. Like, without a fail, there was something whack going on. And I think it was just so cool to see something like that on screen, which was absolutely awesome. Um, yeah. What about yourself? What's one of your... Well, I think the first thing that came to mind for me was Disney. But I don't know if I'm, like, thinking too young there for that. Um, I think definitely grew up on, like, the princess... Um, situation kind of very romantic and then kind of following on from that any really like American sitcom or I think when I was like tweens like really thinking about Gilmore Girls and that was kind of like really see because I listened to yours thinking about bad bitches and stuff I think everything I grew up on was very much of the time of like and everything works out fine in the end. And even if everybody's not getting along, it works out. And so I feel like in terms of like how that influenced me growing up was that you just thought everything was going to be fine. Like you really, like my tolerance now for TV shows that don't have like happy endings is very low and quite shocking when things don't work out as you imagine them to be. Um, and kind of not even like taking it out of TV shows. I think even in life, like I'm very like non-confrontational and like you never just saw TV shows where you could have like a complex, honest discussion with someone and still be friends. It was like <gasps> this massive thing that kind of blew up. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. I was actually thinking about this recently. 
um, because in our comedy class, we were talking about the difference between the US office and the UK office. Mm. And obviously they're two have the same sort of structure in terms of characters, but the two shows in the end are very, very different because the UK office has that, what you were saying, that realistic, we have to deal with these people every day, nothing's going to ever be perfect, but the US office has hope Mm. and has that resolution after every episode. And it got me thinking, a lot of Australian, UK, even Canadian shows, we all kind of present shows that aren't fully resolved at the end and will carry on to the next episode, whether it's one little thing or another, um, whereas every American kind of sitcom and show, there's a resolution at the end, unless it's like a mid-season finale or whatever, mm. um, which is really, really interesting because we're not marketed that type of story here in Australia. But as you said, as a younger audience, we probably both got experience from international kids TV shows a lot with Saturday Disney and stuff as well, which did have, yeah, that resolution to every episode. And like, I can't, I'm like you, I just can't deal with it anymore no it's so cheesy yeah and I think also like if you think about every kind of like tv show or movie we grew up on romance was the ultimate goal and it was just like if they ended up together then that was really good yeah like it, it never even occurred to me when I was younger that these women or men didn't have careers they didn't have anything else going you know what I mean it was just like well they're all paired off now so that's great like you know, that was more well, session that was to it. me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do see that because what was I? Um, yeah, no, I definitely was thinking that. I was rewatching something recently. Oh, God, what was it? And like, oh, you know what it was? I rewatched Sweet, Sweet Life on Deck, which was like the sequel series to Sweet Life on Zach and Cody. Okay. And like every episode, it was like for the two girls, London and Bailey, it was like, Oh, like, Bailey was successful and smart, but it was like, oh, but that guy's cute. Oh, but this is important. Mm. Oh, but that. Like, it was always just, like, an undergoing thing that was kind of part of the goal at the end of the day. And you see, like, a lot. Um, I was watching Scrubs recently as well, and it was like, I've just, spoilers, I've gotten up to the part where, like, Elliot walks out in a wedding, and she just goes, I just want to get married because that's the that's the goal at the end mm. of the day. And that's a very more realistic take on it. But looking at that at a younger age, I'm not going to really understand the difference. I'm just going to absorb everything like a sponge. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's so weird watching these shows in such a different light and such a different time. Yeah, 100%. Totally. So, like, following on from that, that idea, so what movies and shows did you wish you had around growing up? I think it'd be really... You know what's come out recently I think you would enjoy as well? Um, Mindy Calling's new show, Never Have I Ever. Oh, yeah. It's a teen drama about um, an Indian girl and unfortunately her father passes away and it's about going through the hoops of high school as a um, cultured woman not really knowing about her own culture and, like, American culture and where exactly she stands because she doesn't really want anything to do with what her family does because she thinks it's weird... And, like, I especially there was this one episode where um, she talks to her cousin and she said, I can't believe you're back here for a family thing. And he goes, well, yeah, it's, like, actually really important coming to these things and I wish I did when I was, like, that is that was a really, really cool thing to see. And they do a lot of um, diversity in that show without uh, throwing it in your face, essentially, because I feel like some production companies just feel like they need to tick a box, in a sense, which is very, very frustrating because it's just there's you can ha- let things happen naturally and ha- write these characters naturally 
and produce them naturally rather than being like, look, we have a gay person here. Look. Mm. Look at this. Yeah. We did it. We're inclusive, which I thought was really, really cool. But yeah, what about yourself? So the first thing that came to mind for me was Wonder Woman. Yes. And even though I know that Wonder Woman's been around, obviously, for a really long time, um, we never really had her. Definitely not. I mean, she's like the first female-led superhero film anyway. But I think that was something I wish I'd seen earlier in terms of, like, female director, female lead, like, just that, you know, I guess along the Sailor Moon lines of um, kicking ass. And the other one that came to mind was Sex Education. Yes, that's a good one. That is definitely a good one. Yeah, like, I think, like, an accurate depiction of awkward teenagers, even though a lot of them, like, are insanely good-looking, and just (laughs) that kind of like that mystery surrounding sex, I guess, and this whole like, you know, and I guess that show can be a bit box ticky in a way, like every episode they're dealing with like a certain, you know, portion of society or whatever. But I I think it's more important that they do that than not. Yeah. But I'd never seen anything like that before and I definitely didn't grow up with anything like that. So I thought that was really cool. I think, yeah, as you said, it is very like we're going to, we're going to sort out, we're going to discuss this this episode and then the next episode we're going to ha- take a take on this. And, like, season two, they do get a... They do do a better job going through that and going through the transition smoothly mm. um, because the first series, I think, they just kind of wanted to establish a tone. So, yeah, it's definitely a good beginning point. And I see what you mean when it's like you wish you had that around when you were younger because it's such a taboo thing, especially in terms of women on the screen. They don't really discuss... Mm. That sort of stuff. So it's a really, yeah, it's very lucky that teens have the option to watch that. I really hope that teens are watching that show. Yeah, and that maybe it's helping with general discussions for them or, like, yeah, talking to people around them or, I don't know, like, just different conversations. Yeah. um, I was also, just what you said about Wonder Woman before, it's funny you say that because I remember, like, there were girls like you at a young age who would seek out Wonder Woman. Mm. Like, I remember we went to Movie World and you were like, that's Wonder Woman. Like, yeah, she's cool. She's important. The hat. <laughs> the hat. We only got rid of it very, very recently. recently. That was like a very long time ago. Um, but yeah, like, I remember you would seek out her. And then I remember when the movie was announced, you were like excited. And I think it just blew your expectations out of the water, which is absolutely awesome. But yeah, I think those sorts of things of having those female heroes um, at a young age is awesome. Like, especially... Um, as much as this Corona thing is annoying, I think it's really smart move that they've moved the Black Widow movie back Mm. so that audience can see it and audiences can support it. And like, so funding does go towards these powerhouse women films without any discrimination um, from the world, not from the audiences, which is really, really cool. And like kids respond to that, like so, so quickly. Like I remember Star Wars was also... I wasn't a Star Wars kid, but I remember, like, every girl wanted to be Princess Leia in the Star Wars film. I wasn't particularly a Star Wars kid, but I remember every girl wanted to be Princess Leia because Star Wars looked cool mm. and Star Princess Leia was, like, the only chick in that whole film mm. for ages. And now... Well, now, like, I don't know much about Star Wars as, uh, at all. So now you've got, like, Rey and obviously more characters that people... Is that her name? Oh my god, have you seen like the little videos of the little girls like seeing her? They get so excited. 
Like they no, are so yeah, so pumped to see her. Yeah. Oh, it hundred percent would make you cry. It was just they're just like Ray, and it's just like all these little girls, and it's like that's the worst description I, ever. I'm pr- sure like the experience was better than that if you watch it. I think also too, but like how cool for them to be able to see someone on screen that they can relate to, and then see themselves in that as well. That's so important. Yeah, it's. I think it's good. As we have gotten older, we've seen a lot of um, reboots and remakes and all different kinds of things. And as like as much as we are glad that um, there is new representation on screen and there is new content and there is bringing that nostalgia back, do you think like there are any cases where like they should not do that? Like with the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch series, for example. I can't st- like people love it, but I can't stand it. I just think that it's just ruining the kind of essence of the first one. Like teens love it because I love that um teen drama stuff, but I think I just really yeah. loved the first Sabrina the Teenage Witch and the essence of how it was quirky. I actually just kept making these mistakes, but um in this new series, she's a powerhouse, and there's that's not a bad thing, but every issue she's solved. I agree with you on the Sabrina thing. I think because I just feel like it's so unnecessarily dark. Like yeah. you see stories being retold like the Joker, for example. And you're like, that I feel like is adding value to the character. I didn't watch the new Sabrina and feel like I had, it just made me nostalgic for the old one. I wasn't like, yes, there was a reason that this is being redone. Yeah. Like, reboots I'm always really wary of. Like, I would be terrified if they were going to do a reboot of Friends. Oh, they wouldn't want to see... Well, this is what I I mean, like... That makes me feel not good. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's, you know, um, I would not like to see... Like, there are so many things that I'm just so, like, they're good as they are. Let's just leave it. I mean, I did really enjoy the Gilmore Girls, like when they brought it back for a year in the life, but maybe that was because they acknowledged that things had changed and time moves on and stuff like that. But like the Gossip Girl that's coming back, it's like, does another generation need Gossip Girl? The first one was, look, it's not the best show on the planet in terms of like story-wise or whatever, but like as a 15-year-old, it did the job. It was perfect. I just needed that soppy teenage drama. Like why can't... Like, Netflix has the opportunity to just, like, bring that back in a sense of just, like, sharing that with the world. They don't need to remake it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, you turn, like, they should just replay the old Gossip Girl. Yeah. But then you've got, like, shows like Never Have I Ever, for example. What's Never Never Have I Ever? Oh, my um, show. (laughs) The one you mentioned, because I was like, surely shows like that or, um, now I'm thinking, like, I'm going to repeat Sex Education again, probably because this type of genre really isn't something that I would watch a lot nowadays like definitely back then but i just feel like yeah the rebooting was just a bit like much what do you think it is with re- like why do you think they keep rebooting shows though why do i keep they th- why do i think they keep rebooting shows yeah um i would say because the audience is there the audience has there yeah. from an older generation and i feel like they're rebooting it at a time where maybe it's time for their kids to watch it. Like, That's So Raven, for example, was rebooted on Disney, and I didn't watch that show personally, but it's probably at an age where audiences who did watch that show are having their own kids, or like with streaming platforms now, we're all, millennials are all children, I know it, I am one. I love binging shit on the Disney Channel, and if something's going to be rebooted, like remember when the Lizzie McGuire thing was going to be rebooted? 
And everyone, we like yeah. you and I went mental. We were so excited. We were excited to see Lizzie in her new life and grow up. Like we grew up with them in a sense. So it's exciting mm. to see what she's up to now. And it's like, is she like having yeah. a tough time like I did? Because we, ha- we all had tough times in high school. Those outfits, Lizzie, they weren't all winners. <laughs> I think when, you, when I first read the question, I went on a bit of like a, what shows do I want to see more on TV? And I just written down Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> That is a fantastic like, show. Because I just love that art arc. And I was like, I just wish I could watch art up for more than I do. Do you remember that episode Matt Damon was on it? No. There's an episode where Arthur meets Matt Damon. And it's, one, it's weirdly delightful. But I do I'll re- have to check it out. I do remember having a game as a kid. It was like one of those CD things. You played it and it was essentially Arthur. You played Arthur who played a game on the, his computer and then the game broke and the virus caused the computer and then you spend the whole time on the computer trying to fix the virus. Oh, that's such an Arthur thing to happen. Yeah, but it was it was like deep sea dive. Um, yeah, I remember because I remember he used to play that game in the show. Yes, that's it. I had the game of that. <laughs> I have the game of him playing the game. All right, so our next topic is what are some of the improvements you have enjoyed seeing in the screen industry? Mm. I think we have more variety of of concepts and things to watch. I think that's a good thing. I think streaming is mm-hmm. definitely a winner. I love that. Mm. But I love it because, like, you do have the choice with streaming. I think there's a, it's got a blessing and a curse with streaming. Like streaming, you can watch unlimited content to an extent, obviously, and mm. you can get through it. And there's, like, it's satisfying in a way where it's, like, you get to experience more stories, more characters, more whatever, but it's also, like, created this un- unobtainable, like, satisfaction of what's new to come. But I think um, going up, I wish we had streaming and stuff because, like, on Disney Channel you can watch a cartoon after school um, or whatever. But also the other thing about streaming is, like, you can stop if you want to. Like, it's just all there. You have access to it. It's, like, the that's it. It's probably, like, you have access to unlimited content, but then... Once that content stops, it causes, like, this unsatisfying hunger of, like, wanting more. And that's why we, like, feed off it. Yeah, and then before you know it, you have, like, six streaming services and you can't find anything to watch on any of them. Well, that's it, really. Yeah. I think, yeah, like, we did touch on diversity and representation before. So, obviously, that's been good to see. I still think we have a long way to go with that. But I think what I've really enjoyed seeing, especially for TV, is that they're getting, like... TV is getting the same attention that Once Upon a Time films would have gotten. Resources and production quality and storylines and actors. Like, there are such high-quality TV shows around that you don't need, you know, movies to get that same level of an amazing story. And often, even though episodes might be shorter, like you can say what you want about our attention spans, you might have six episodes, you know what I mean? So it is kind of like double, triple the length of a movie. That's been a massive improvement, I think, compared to what I think what was around, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, So now we're going to talk about dream casting. So this is like a book or film adaptation that we've made up or is actually happening. And this week... You want to talk about Hercules because yes. it's a subject very close to your heart. Yes. Hercules is now a live action film coming out done by the Russo brothers. I don't think I discovered Hercules until I was like 12, 13. And I thought it was the coolest shit ever. Yes. 
I have never seen Hercules. I'm making a face <laughs> and I'm pissed off. Oh, Natasha. Because, like, you just said there, like, you have... You, this was a Disney film that came to you much later in life. I know, but I, exp- I thought you might have seen it. If you were 13, I would have been 21. Yeah, but still, I just thought you were more cultured than me at that point. Um... <laughs> so I, the I only really did... real interaction I have with Hercules are two things. Yeah. The, the PlayStation game. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's also fantastic. And that album, that double album you had of Disney princess That's, songs. You know what's funny? I loved I Won't Say I'm In Love. I never knew it was from Hercules. I think this watch made my experience better. So let me just, I would just like to say beforehand, okay. we are two young Greek Australian women and we, uh, Natasha <laughs> did Greek school till like year 12 and I just did it till like I was. No, I did grade six. Grade six. Okay. Um, well, that's longer than what I did because I gave up very quickly. But um, yeah. I loved – I was really into <laughs> mythology and shit. I always remember that as a kid, being really yeah. into that sort of stuff. I did classical studies in high school. So I think – yeah, so we had this CD. I don't know if anyone's re- aware of it. It had, like, the double princess CDs. And on the second CD, I think – I don't know what track it is, but I just remember it was green. They have I Won't Say I'm In Love performed by – Meg. Yeah, so it was a pink CD and it had songs from all the Disney princesses. There was a pink films. one and there was a green one. I liked okay. the green one. <laughs> but the cover itself was pink. The cover, No, the cover itself was cream. And then it had the pink one okay. and the drink all green right. one. I'm going to stop talking because this is clearly not going anywhere. I'm clearly okay. way too passionate you about the CD cover. So this week it was announced that yeah. the Russo brothers, who have also made... The Avengers. What? Something else famous. The Avengers. Yeah. Um, and... They also are did. Making Hercules. They're making Hercules. They're making. They're doing that bad boy, and look, I'm excited. Um, I didn't really discover Hercules as I said before till I was like 13, but it was really exciting because I loved that song and I loved mythology and it was just everything rolled into one. And I don't think I've ever been so excited about the Disney movie since. So I've just kind of like claimed that as my own child in a way. Um, that's prob- that's a movie yes. when I would I'd have one around when I was younger. That's what I wanted to see earlier. Yeah, and I should say, like, even before we knew the reboot was coming, you often talk about the scenario if they rebooted Hercules. Yeah. (laughs) Not rebooted, sorry. If they made a live action, who you would like in it. So you've been thinking about this for a while. Yes, yes. I think I'm really not helpful in a way of... I have a lot of opinions about the casting that is being suggested by other people. Like, I think Hercules is a very young man. Like, he's, like, 16 to 18 in the first movie, in the animation. So who are they suggesting to play Hercules? Chris Pratt is the number one thing I've seen on my list with either... Okay. (laughs) Yep. With either Ariana Grande or Anna Kendrick as Meg. Here's my issue. I love both of these women. I think Ariana Grande is a stunning singer and a stunning... Like, I think she's a very nice person. I will say that. I think she recently did... I won't say I'm in love for the Disney stream thing on ABC that came out recently where she not only played Meg but all the five muses. Like, good on her. If I had that voice, I also would do that. But I think the thing is with her and Anna Kendrick is they don't give... They don't feed Meg to me. Like, I just think I expect... Like, Meg is this woman in a way like I don't think they're there yet 
And I think at the time, this is a great opportunity because in ancient Greeks, we had thicker women and we had different types of people. So I think if we could get, I would suggest, I don't know anyone personally, but like a Broadway actress, like someone with a really strong voice. Because like, here's my argument. First of all, Anna Kendrick played Cinderella and Into the Woods. Secondly, Ariana Grande, my comparison to her being Meg is like when Beyonce played, played Nala in The Lion King. You can't see anything past the fact she's Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I think Ariana Grande played one of the muses. I think that would be fun if she would like to be involved. I think her and Lizzo would be a banger of a time. Yeah, I think it would just be a struggle for me because I just I would see Ariana Grande the whole time. And I think the great thing they did with Aladdin is they got two new up-and-coming actors who did a really good job, I will say, of being Aladdin and Jasmine. And Beauty and the Beast, look, Emma Watson is the perfect belle. Mm. But that's the thing as well. Emma Watson's not a singer. Emma Watson is an actress. This is her craft. And I know Ariana Grande does acting. I know Anna Hendrick does acting. But I think if we can bring two new, fresh faces into this role, who can be, who preferably would be Greek, that would be awesome. In terms of Hades, the bad guy, I would say Edward Norton. Edward Norton? Or Sam Rockwell. I think either of those two. Who was the second yeah. person you said? Sam Rockwell. Okay. In Bruges. No, not in Bruges. I'm um, Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, I'm familiar, but I'm just thrown by that because I think when I pictured Hades, I pictured like Christopher Walken. <laughs> was it? No, he was in the Jungle Book. He played the giant monkey. Can he do another one? Is he allowed to do another one? All I like, mean, that that goes for Anna Kendrick as well. Is she allowed to do another one? Well, yeah, I, I guess that gets confusing. I mean, it's not like Avengers when they're all in the same universe or whatever. But like, or um, Christoph Waltz. Like, I kind of picture someone like in that vibe to be Hades. But like we've established, I haven't seen it. Interesting. So if you think Edward Norton, <laughs> I trust you. You know how I would like... Edward Norton. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's also because he was very good in Birdman when he played a very good, like, arsehole. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm getting these Disney characters from. Oscar-worthy movies. Yeah, fair enough. Also, I would like Zeus to be played by either Hugh Jackman or Tom Hanks. Hugh Jackman, preferably Mm because our grandmother keeps telling us he's some form of Greek in him. But also, Tom Hanks is married to Rita Wilson, who is Greek. And Rita Wilson can be in it. They can play themselves yeah they just like in ancient greece tom and rita were there the whole time yeah a hundred percent okay because now i'm even picturing like stanley tucci for hades that would be a good one actually i could get around that Mm. what if they got one of the hemsworth brothers to play hercules look if they got liam he's he's young he's got a baby face enough to um do it well i guess it would have to be liam because the other one's too busy with his thor duties yeah i'm trying to think even you know that oh what's his name he was in have you seen um boy boy no and he was in the break he was like so he's an adult man now he's no longer a child because this movie boy was released in 2010 it's a taika waititi film his name james rolleston james rolleston james rolleston i'm going to send you a link to him I'm just going to IMDb him. And I reckon he would be... Oh, he's very handsome. You think he should play Hercules? Ro- yeah, he's a... I reckon he'd be good. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't know if they're going to be doing singing because it's the Russo brothers, but Hercules has, like, one song in the whole film. But, like, Zac Efron didn't sing for his first High School Musical film, so I'm sure Disney can find a way around it. Okay. All right, so what is something now that you could rewatch from your history that works in present time versus something that doesn't? Well, I, th- I came up with this question because I was rewatching Scrubs recently, as I mentioned yeah. earlier, and I think in that sense... I've been listening to the um, Fake Doctors, Real Friends um, podcast, which is with Zach Braff and Donna Faison, and they discuss how, like, their friendship on screen. And a lot of the stuff they say during that podcast is, like, we probably couldn't get away with this now because it's a lot of – um, it's a little bit sexist. It's a little bit – not overly racist, but there's some terms, like, you couldn't really do on TV anymore in terms of, like, a white guy saying certain stuff or getting away with mm. what he says. Um, and like the Todd, as much as he's a funny character, like nowhere in hell would they have a character who'd like promote sexual harassment as a laugh mm. unless you're like absolutely taking the piss out of him. But I feel like it depends on the type of audience where it's like, some people might think that's funny because it's funny to say, whereas some people might think, oh, that's funny because he's a dick mm. in a way. So do you think Scrubs holds up? I think Scrub holds up now. And it's like, I think it was very progressive for the time. And I think that's why I can get away with it now. Yep. Because it's like, oh, at the time, this was, like, television. Like, this was really, really good. Um, but I'm trying to think of something now you could – you just couldn't watch anymore. Because even, like, you, you're you currently watching Buffy, and, like, that's not – that's pretty, like, up-to-date for the time it was. Yeah, well, I suppose the show can date in two ways, kind of. Like, it can either date story-wise or it can date visually. And yeah. I think Buffy, like, the – Special effects and stuff have dated, but I don't think the story itself has dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think Buffy's old enough for the special effects to be forgiven, whereas I think a show that maybe is like two to three, four years old probably looks more dated at the moment because it's kind of familiar but not. You're not like, oh, this is a really old show, therefore it can get away with shitty special effects. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the only show that... I kind of had that I think is just as like timeless now is probably Daria. Yes. No, that's definitely, that's definitely a good one to put on there. Cause I think it still has the, the teen angst. Yeah. Like I played it to my year 11 and I was just like, what is this show? Like, it's so accurate, you know, like they still had that kind of, um, it resonated with them quite quickly. Whereas I've got like shows like friends here who have obviously been around for a long time um, I, I don't watch Seinfeld, but I get the impression that that's dated really well. Yeah, like, I think I know a few people who really, really enjoy it because it's a lot of that Steinf- Steinfeld, Seinfeld versus Friends complex. Mm. But I watched Heather's last night for the first yeah. time. And, like, that's I'd always knew that was a cult classic, but, like, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did because it's that... Like, I think it kind of has the same sense of Mean Girls. You know how Mean Girls is that, like, what if world like what if you were part of the popular girls and you tried to take them down Mm. or what if you were someone like you got to have this position of power and what it can really do to you and how it affects you but I think Heather's was a good and different in a way because it was like I think when we're all in that teen phase it's like oh I hate this person I wish they were out of my life sort of thing and have you seen it no okay I won't spoil it too much but it has that really good like it feeds that guilty complex of you. I think it's like, oh, I hate this person. Yeah. Like, what if they what if they disappeared? And it's like the feeding through 
of that, I think, to our own sort of subconscious of like, ooh, like it kind of interests you, like what's going to happen next to Renona Ryder's character, Veronica, that's why I got confused, Um, because it's like she's that dark image, or not dark in per se, but she's that girl who's kind of got that sense of power and responsibility and she decides to flip it and it's really interesting where the film goes. I think you would really enjoy it. I don't know if that was a great explanation of it. <laughs> yeah, see, that's interesting. I mean, the other show I had down here was Family Ties, which is like a show from the 80s about, like, this family, but I think it was, like, a good... Is that Michael yeah, J. Fox? I was like, Sorry, you can explain. That, like, that film, I feel like, would still be, like, quite progressive today in terms of, like, a lot of stuff and the family dynamic. And I think there were a few episodes you'd have to take out, though. Yeah. I think there were yeah, a few I haven't seen problematic moments i get what you mean though because it used to be when 11 came out and then yeah <laughs> bloody loved it it all um but you know what would be a good one now yeah. still that 70s show you reckon because i can't really think of because i think it, uh, that 70s show does a really good job of like who the jokes are yeah like kelso's an idiot and he's an asshole but like you know to laugh at, it's pretty accurate you're laughing at him and like i think now and even like i don't I can't speak for back then, but now I know, like, lots of girls who loved Jackie because of how bossy she is and how, like, straightforward she is. And because in the show she was seen as a bitch, she's like, I don't care. And I think, like, a lot of people really took that and was like, fuck yeah. I want to be that girl who everyone um wants to be friends with mm. because she's cool. But, like, um, you know what I mean? Like, she's straightforward. She's knows what she wants. She's fashionable. And I think that was very important in the 70s. But yeah, I think a lot of people admire her. Yeah, that's very true, actually. You probably read a character like that really differently now. Maybe back then it would have been seen differently. But Yeah, because I don't remember. I guess you just thought, like, I know for me watching it, I think I was like, oh, well, I'll be like Donna. You know, like, it just, I couldn't kind of see, not the value in being like Jackie, but it just kind of felt like, again, like we're talking about before, if you're looking at women on screen and you don't have much choice, yeah? So it was like, you know... Yeah. Well, even the same with Donna. Like, she was so progressive and forward with her time. Like, the way she spoke to her parents, the way she spoke to her partner, the way she was. And she was, like, a flawed person, but she stood up for herself, in a sense. Yeah. Like, she didn't take crap from anyone. I think that's the best about both of them. They didn't take crap from anyone. Yeah, that's true. They kind of, like, run rings around the men in that situation. So, our second last question. We are in this beautiful pandemic um so Mm -hmm. what do you think the future of media and tv is after this pandemic and how will things change in terms of media and the future of cinema which is like a meaty question a niche question do you have anything to start off with this one um i think what really has become apparent is i think and like like you said before an appetite for content I think, yeah. you know, if you look at the stats of movie going and stuff last year, kind of pre-pandemic, that was on the rise. Yeah, I think with we're in, entering a really interesting time where I do think, you know, like we said before, that a person will have multiple subscriptions to lots of streaming services um, and whether they choose to binge the content yeah. 
or it's drip fed to them like with originals obviously a lot of the time they're uploaded one by one um and you kind of revert back to traditional media consumption in that way but i think it's personally i feel like it's too early for any habits that we've developed to mm-hmm. kind of have long lasting change because i don't think we've been in this situation long enough to make long lasting habits yeah but The last thing I will say is obviously the media industry is going to change dramatically Um, with advertising stopping. I'll be really interested to see see what it means for Australian content. Yeah, I feel like I'm, yeah, quite uncertain, but I'm curious. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting you say that with um, advertising because like tiktokers i don't know if this was ever going to be a thing beforehand but they're now getting sponsored by brands and i just i assumed that with like you know with the bigger sorts of ones they were going to get sponsored by friends like by influencers anyway but like more and more because people are using that as a content for humor and like people will scroll, scroll through hours of it more and more people are getting sponsorship money and that sort of stuff i think a girl the other day she just did her makeup like really really fast like not even get ready with me like youtube tutorial stuff she just does her makeup Mm -hmm. and people are interested in what she uses and what she knows because it looks pretty and she's given it off in a very delightful way and i think she got um fenty beauty to sponsor her which is very cool for her like i've always be very um excited but it's just really interesting how these like 15 seconds to a minute now influence so much and like even that sort of stuff like uh with everything going on with Scott Morrison at the moment, most of the content has been on, like TikTok has reflected so much of that content and people having opinions on it and people are memeing it in a sense, but it's still making a point. Yeah. If that makes sense, which is really interesting. Um, So I think people have too much time on their hands (laughs) or not enough. Well, I think that, yeah, you're right. Because I think like TikTok is obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, like it's, TikTok just really shows the demand for video content and it shows the demand for connection because there's so much about TikTok that you're like, haha, yeah. Like, it's like the Baduda advocate or whatever. You're like, oh, yeah, that is, you know, I recognize that. Yeah. That is funny. But, um, but, yeah, I wonder how much TikTok is a reflection of the time and whether it is sustainable. And that I still think the thing with media and social media particularly is that it's meant to be like, you're a person, you, you start a TikTok account, Smelly, and then you know, you can get heaps of views and like, cause the stats on TikTok are insane. People. Oh, they're massive. massive. Like I was watching a YouTuber who is quite successful on YouTube and she was saying like, she would never get a million views for something she puts on YouTube or Instagram, but that's kind of the regular that she's hitting on TikTok. And it's like, how long till that kind of goes to the, the familiar situation that traditional media is in, that it's super top heavy really hard to break into and not much happening in the middle yeah so yeah i just feel like it's this fantasy that media is really democratized when it's not so i don't know i just kind of also feel that after this pandemic's over because channel 10 is owned by cbs now so they're just going to put all american cbs shows on because that's cheaper yeah yeah it is because they're stopping australian i think uh they're stopping Australian content for a while because, like, yeah, the government just can't afford to be doing that right now. But I think it's really, really good. Um, oh, before when I said, like, they don't think the government can afford to be doing that. No, I just don't think we have the money to be churning out content. Yeah. Because I think they're going to think from these shows 
from America. It's like, oh, people will watch the channel and then we'll put it towards stuff. And if they're... But then, again, again it's cheaper. Yeah, because it's like, I can't remember the numbers now, but, like, say creating, you know, an episode of Neighbours is, like, I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars. You can buy a whole mm-hmm. series for that, right? And it's pre-made and ready to go. So, you know, in terms of, like, the flow and effect from the pandemic when we haven't been making money. And even, I think, you know, like, viewing has gone through the roof, listening has gone through the roof, like, because there's more people around to consume the content. But... We don't pay for free-to-air TV. Advertisers pay. So we might pay for our Netflix subscription, which means that they can keep putting stuff out. But, yeah, if nobody's paying for ads to go, you know, in between MasterChef, then what kind of happens? I mean, they've just announced that they're casting for 2021 MasterChef, which is – MasterChef's a really interesting one because their viewing numbers have been through the roof since this whole thing started. Yeah, because they're going to do MasterChef Junior now as well. That weirds me out. It's a very strange concept, isn't it? Watching children cook. Do you have any strong opinions on what's going to happen to the future of media? Um, I think it's really interesting because at the moment I'm trying to watch one new movie a day and I definitely think out of all this, I've learnt that we're never going to lose a cinema because that just makes a whole different experience when watching something from the first time. Not even like due to only distractions, but like you can't immerse... I think the cinema experience is definitely something we, like, shouldn't get rid of. Like, the the thing of going out and paying to support not only in the industry, but, like, treating yourself to a day and having nothing else to focus on but relax and just kind of to have yourself in a dark room, nothing else to focus on but the film, let the film kind of take you. Because I've discovered with um doing this, even sitting in a dark room, it's like you're still in your room, you're still... You can still walk away at any time, but I think especially in terms of horror or like these big serious action films and stuff, like if I don't know what's going to go for two hours, or if I'm just going to forget sitting in a cinema because I'm like, that's what you do. You sit in a cinema and you watch it for like two hours. Whereas like if I'm trying to watch a new movie and I'm not really, like even if I'm we go to the cinema and I don't pick the movie, I usually get some sort of reaction out of it or I get some sort of better experience and more of an opinion towards the piece rather than watching it at home. So I think it's really important we still have that cinema experience because if we don't, we're just going to lose a whole other sense of um, absorbing media. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think one of my, like, I don't say my biggest regrets, that's so dramatic, but one of the things I really regret is not going to see The Irishman in the cinema because I know that I would sit for three hours and watch that film, no problem. But the thought of putting that on at home and then I was going to want to get up and get a drink and then, you know, the dog's jumping around and, like, you just... It will just not be the same. No, it would definitely would not. Um, and our last question for our first episode is what you're going to encourage... Like, what's your suggestion for people to watch? You know what? I'm going to go with Heather's. Because I did enjoy that film last night and I think it's a wacky movie and I think it's very, it, um, I, would, I would recommend it to those, I recommend it to everyone, but I think I would recommend it to those love their 80s flick, who love just a bit of a wild time, who can kind of sit back and, sit back and laugh, but I think can also, there's a lot of serious themes in there as well, including suicide, so I will warn you on that, but I think... Really, it's an interesting take on high school life. It's an interesting reflection on who we are at that age, what we do, what we say, how our actions impact others. And the whole idea of um, really chopping off a head and two growing back. So eliminating the problem isn't going to solve the problem. 
sort of thing. And I think that's a really interesting take on it, especially when we, like, everyone's had that point in high school where they just don't want to deal with their problems and they don't want to look at it when, in the end, it's just going to come back and haunt them in a way. But it's also, it's interesting because it's a, I wouldn't call it a piss take, but it plays fun at the idea of um, being meta in films and um, the whole idea of symbolism and that as well as just a whole lot of violence and a whole lot of fun in a way. Yeah, well, what have you got, Natasha? Good one. Um, I feel like I have two, if that's okay. That is perfectly fine. Um, I feel like I want to suggest, because a lot of people have been watching Tiger King at the moment, that they watch the original documentary Louis Theroux did with Joe Exotic um, about his zoo. Um, mm-hmm. I understand that they're quite different extremes, but I think that that would be interesting for people to watch. And the only thing I've really been watching is Buffy, and it's a miracle I haven't spoken about Buffy nonstop since we've been talking. Yeah, I even, like, baited you a little bit, and you didn't even go for it. You know, I watched the season three finale yesterday, Smelly, and I didn't even cry. I'm proud of you. Because where are you up Is to? it a good... I'm still on season two. I don't know if I just I've have had nothing t- left to give. If anybody, like even maybe just anything in that general thing, like Buffy, Charmed, maybe you can watch Firefly. I don't know. I've never seen Firefly. Either have I, but I'd be keen to watch it after this experience. Is that about aliens? I don't. That could be so wrong. I don't know, but you know the guy who plays the main lead of I don't know, is he, is, is he Firefly? I don't know. I just know he's in an episode <laughs> of Brooklyn. Um, you know that episode where Jake and Rosa work on the um, the cop show? I'm being very vague. Anyway, he's in Brooklyn. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Nathan Lane. Yeah. Um, yes. Just quick question. Did you watch the season finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yes. Without spoiling it, did you enjoy it? Very much so. What did you think? I thought it was very good. <laughs> I think after... <laughs> I think after... Um, I didn't not enjoy the season, but I think I expected better. Uh, maybe just because they've had the change of networks and whatnot. Um, I think this was a really good way to end everything going on. Because it's been, it's been a rough season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's taken them a while to find their feet, but without, like, again, spoiling anything, even though I don't give a shit about spoilers, I the storyline between Terry and the captain, <laughs> just the way, and that's the way that show, just the writing in that show, the way everything comes together and, like, little things that you don't think are going to be things become things and, like, all of that stuff, I just thought was so good. Yes, 100% agree. Thank you, Smelly. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I need a nickname for you. Maybe one will come out of this. Well, I mean, can I go with Stam Diddy? Okay. I don't think that's going to last. Done. We'll start there. I'll do, I'll test, every time we do this, I'll test a different name on you. And we'll, I'll okay. get the vibes from it. And okay. so we'll this week we'll go with Natasha. Next week yeah. I'm going to come up with a new name and I'm not going to tell you until we start. Okay. Alright, that's a good one. Sound good? Alright. Yeah. I'm gonna stop the food now. Alright. Bye.